Welcome to More Than Words, a podcast about treating the whole child brought to you by the Reading and Language Learning Center. I'm your host, Tristan, and today I'm joined by outreach specialist, Jonathan Wilkins, to discuss testing accommodations. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? I'm doing well, Tristan. How are you? Fabulous. Thank you. We're excited for you to be here. We're excited to talk about testing accommodations. It's going to be an awesome episode. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Yeah. So let's start with a little bit of an introduction. Tell us about who you are and what you do. Of course. Well, as Tristan mentioned, my name's Jonathan Wilkins. I'm the Director of Advising and Outreach at Top Score Education. Uh, we're a boutique test prep and academic tutoring company here in the D.C. metro area, um, but also have small branches in Durham, North Carolina, Miami, Florida, and of course, like everyone these days, can also support students virtually. Uh, thanks again for having me here today. Absolutely. Yeah, that's um, we're excited, like I said, for you to chat about um, what you guys do. So if people were looking for you guys like online um, to seek your services, where would they go? We're on all the the traditional social medias, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you know, the the whole wheelhouse. Um, and our website is topscoreedu.com. And we work fully in-home one-on-one. So unlike traditional test prep and tutoring companies, we have no brick and mortar. We're all in-home. So if, if anyone's looking to work with us, it would be in their house and, of course, virtually as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You guys go to them. That's so fun. We we try to tell families we're the most convenient option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> okay, well, let's hop right into our questions for the day. So um, we're talking about all different kinds of testing accommodations. So what in the world do test accommodations even look like? Yeah, well, well, first, I think it's important to talk through what testing accommodations are and, and what they look like in the, the real world in a school yeah. setting. So. Testing accommodations refer to the the modifications made to the testing environment to better meet the needs of individual students. So not not all students will will need accommodations, not all students will be eligible for accommodations, but for those students who do need them, uh, it's just a a modification to the way that they're learning or the way that material is being presented to them. Okay. Uh, students that that might be eligible and that might receive accommodations are students with learning differences or you know, oftentimes students with a physical disability, students with a speech language disorder, uh, as well as some students need accommodations for short-term support. For example, I've, I've had students who have you know received a concussion through their sport they play mm. or broken an arm and, and they just need accommodations for three to six months, right. while other students who you know have lifelong learning differences, they might require accommodations through their whole academic career. Right. And in terms of what, what these accommodations look like, it, it truly varies based off of students' individual you know, disabilities or learning differences. But oftentimes what I've seen in, in my experience are accommodations like working and completing assignments in small group environments mm-hmm. or with a one-on-one setting. Uh, I, I think the the one that many people think of these days as the, the most popular, the most traditional one is time and a half on assessments, meaning oh, yeah. that students have, you know, 50% more time to complete the work. Right. Um, and then you you have some students who need assistive technology or students who need a reader to walk through exams or, you know, uh, some accommodations that go even further become services where you need a dedicated aid. So it, it's truly an individual process. Yeah. And so what are the different, like, are there different kinds of testing that kids can get accommodations for? Like, is it specific to any one kind of testing? 
Yeah, great question. Uh, for accommodations, you know, when when I'm thinking about testing accommodations versus school-based accommodations, but they they go hand in hand, but they can have different processes. So okay. for for students in a, a public school system or a private school system, they'll they'll receive accommodations through their IEP, which is their individualized education plan, right. or through their 504. Uh, so, so those accommodations are going to be the same that you would get on standardized testing, but right. those are going to be school-based accommodations. Um, and then in, in terms of other, other tests and standardized assessments that students receive accommodations for, the, the ones that we work with primarily will be students getting accommodations for things like the SAT or the mm. ACT, um, high school admissions exams like the SSAT and the HSPT. So those are more traditionally to the students we see and um, that, that we're working with just as a, as a test prep company. But in terms of, of accommodations and tests that a student can get accommodations for, it, it truly is any assessment a student is being asked to complete, like those standardized tests that I mentioned. But it also can be the weekly math quiz. It could be the, the midterm in science. Right. Um, it could be extra time completing a, a paper in English. Um, so if students have accommodations and they're eligible to get them, they, they should be able to receive those on any type of, of test or quiz or paper that they're being asked to complete. Okay. That's pretty in- impressive because I um, I didn't realize you could get testing accommodations for like the SAT, the ACT, and all of those kinds of things. Um, so thanks for sharing that. Like I said, I, I really did not realize <laughs> Yeah, of course. And, and, you know, these days what I'm seeing more than anything is we're seeing a lot more test anxiety. So students mm. who, you know, with the with the additional pressure that's being put in place, especially on schools that are test optional or test blind, it's the idea that the, the test is going to be, you know, a, a lot of pressure, which it is. And so mm-hmm. w- what's to help those students who are having that test anxiety or who have had, you know, lifelong ADHD, these accommodations come in and, and play a key role in, in their success. Yeah. And you mentioned test anxiety. So like, what are some of the um, like other reasons that a student might need those accommodations? Yes. You know, similar to the the reason that any student needs those accommodations, it's going to be so unique. I, I think generally the the accommodations for students that I see most frequently are students who have ADHD. They typically need extra time to complete assignments. Right. Um, so they'll be eligible for that through their school or through their ed psych documentation. Um, I've also worked with many students who have dyslexia or a speech mm-hmm. language disorder mm-hmm. that require a, a test reader. Um, or, you know, even more additional time on exams. So those those are really the most common ones. Uh, in terms of more less com- less frequent reasons student needs accommodations, um, I've had students with auditory processing disorders that need to work in small group settings because the noise around them from other test takers is too demanding on their mental capacity. So they wow. need to work in those one-on-one or small group settings. Right. And then, you know, the the some more some other examples would be students with uh POTS or pandas, which are just neurological conditions. They might require testing over multiple days. Okay. Oh wow, yeah, I didn't realize that you could do testing over multiple days. That's that's great. And so when a parent realizes that their kid might need those testing accommodations, maybe they have the IEP or the 504 plan and they're looking for um something bigger, like how do they start that process? How do they go about getting the accommodations their kid needs? 
If students are, are struggling in school because of their learning difference or their disabilities, families should reach out either to the school counselor, a school admin, the student support specialist at school right away. I, I think the sooner the better that a parent can get involved and really set up meetings about their student in the way they're learning, the better. Families can make these requests also through their primary care physician, which a lot of families don't know. But my daughter, for example, has an IEP, um, and we were able to get the meeting set up and get the IEP set up through a recommendation through our primary care physician. So oh, wow. there, there's many avenues you can go through. I think the the, the easiest ones are, are usually by talking with the school and talking to a counselor. Um, and typically, in order to receive the accommodations that we've been talking through, students will need to go through that IEP or 504 process. Okay. Um, and, and, and those are public school documentations and public school requirements. If, if your student is in a independent school or a private school, they'll have their own unique process. And, and I can't speak to every school, uh, but they'll have, you know, individualized learning plans are what they're typically called. And so that your individual school will have a process. But uh, the, the process is typically the same. You'll, you'll always want to typically reach out to a school counselor. Um, and then in those meetings, once, once a student is found eligible to have an IEP or a 504 or an LIP, you'll want to start the process and you'll get the documentation. You'll be all set to receive those accommodations and those will be outlined within those documents. Um, additionally, parents may also want to reach out, reach out to local educational psych testing uh, evaluators, and in that they'll they'll get ed psych documentation, which will also indicate the need for certain accommodations in the classroom or for testing. Um, and then, you know, the the line of work that I'm in for standardized testing, it's a little bit different. So yeah. instead of working only with the school, families will also need to work with whichever testing organization that they're using for standardized testing. So for the SAT or for AP testing, that would be through the college board. For the ACT, that would be through the ACT. Um, and it's a joint effort by parents and the school in that regard. For those types of tests, families will work closely with their school counselor to submit all of the do documentation required. And, and typically that will be submitting the IEP, submitting the 504, or submitting other documentation indicating that they need certain accommodations for these tests. Okay. Yeah. I was I was really curious about the um the SAT and like those standardized test standardized testing um accommodation requests because like you said, like I've I've heard about the IOP IEP and the 504 plan process where you know you you speak with your school counselor and you get that the ball rolling in that way. But I was like, I have no idea how in the world <laughs> you would start the process for some kind of standardized test like the SAT. So interesting to hear that you've got to reach out to the actual like whoever creates and um sends out that test. So that is really interesting. Yeah. And it, it can be a complex process. And, you know, in, in a previous career, I, I, you know, part of my role was submitting the documentation and it can oh, be, wow. you know, both a tedious process and it can be challenging. I, I've seen many families who receive services in their school that the, the college board or the ACT don't always acknowledge. Mm. And so persistence is really key in making sure that you have a lot of documentation around why your child needs certain accommodations is really important when you start to look into the SAT or the ACT or other standardized tests. Right. So when is it that you would recommend parents start looking for these accommodations? Yeah. My answer always is as soon as possible. Yeah. 
if if your student has a learning difference or a disability, or even if you believe that you do, and it's affecting the way that they're learning, it's affecting their education, you're not seeing the same results that you saw years ago, you should reach out to your school almost immediately and set up meetings to get to get some answers on how to support your student. Right. Um, if they're if they're struggling and, and you're unsure, you'll want to have the conversation anyways. Even if at the end of the day it leads to, you know, no IEP, it leads to no, you know, 504 plan, it will still help parents get to the root cause of what their student might be struggling with. Right. And so, you know, at, at the end of the day, we, we want what's best for our students. And, you know, I've worked with parents who, you know, they're a little bit iffy. They're not sure if they want certain labels for their students. Right. Um, you know, in terms of this or that, or they're afraid of what it's going to look like to have an IEP or a 504 um, or to have these accommodations. But it's truly just about making sure our students are getting what they need in the classroom. Right. Um, and so that, that all starts with a conversation. It all starts with a conversation with the counselor, with teachers, with administrators, kind of one team, one dream here. Yeah. Um, and so as soon as possible is typically my recommendation. Okay. Um, and then with, with standardized testing, it's a little different, like the SAT and the ACT. Um, for for those tests and submitting the accommodations documentation, you typically want to start those conversations six months prior to your student taking those tests. So okay. whenever your student is going to take the SAT or the ACT, um, you'll want to have that conversation six months prior. And, and to when they'll take those tests is a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But the, the majority of students will take the PSAT during their sophomore year, usually okay. in October. Mm-hmm. And so you, you'll want to start the conversation typically about six months before then, which would be, you know, the June before. Okay. Okay. Wow. That is, I'm sure a lot for parents to take in, but also super helpful. I think timelines is, is, is something that's really hard, um, to navigate when you just like, don't know. So thank you for giving some, (laughs) um, some really good, you know, guardrails there. Appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Um, so once we've got the the parents have you know kind of taken initiative and they've they've got the accommodations for their kiddo and everything's kind of set in place, how do you recommend that the students start to self advocate um, and remind their teachers that they have those accommodations when it comes to testing or assignments? Yeah, that, I, that's a tough one. It, it, yeah. It's a tough question. It's a tough situation for so many students. Uh, I think in an ideal world, I'd love to just tell the students to remind their teachers about the accommodations. Right. Um, and uh, unfortunately, it's just not that simple in so many schools. Yeah. For 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 many students, that that type of conversation would be uncomfortable. And after having it, the students still might not see many changes. Mm. Uh, and, and it's an important one to have, and it's important that accommodations and the classroom and on testing are being met. The the accommodations are make or break for so many students. Right. Um, and, and and when those accommodations aren't being met, then you know you're, you're going to have students that develop a, a sense of failure when they're not making the the grades that they want or they right. fail a test. When if the accommodations were being adhered to, that that might not happen. Mm. Um, and and so. Students should advocate as much as they can, and and they should talk to their teachers about it when they know tests and assignments are upcoming. But but even more so, uh, it what I've seen in my experience is that parents really need to play a crucial role here. Mm. Um, and you know, for kind of the saying goes, the squeaky wheel gets the the oil. And and so 
parents really need to be part of the the process, part of the solution, and really advocate on behalf of their students. Yeah. Um, and it, it's also a grade level question as well, right? My my daughter is in pre-K four and she has an IEP and she can't advocate for herself in terms of making sure that she's receiving her accommodations or receiving her services. Right. Um, and so, you know, parents of younger children will have to truly be you know, hand in hand with the school, ensuring that these accommodations are being met. And and you also have really high achieving high schoolers who can probably mm-hmm. own the process themselves. Right. Um, but, you know, again, it's truly uh, oftentimes has to be parent led in terms of how do you advocate? How do you make sure that your students are receiving their accommodations? Um, and parents might be uncomfortable escalating to the school, um, but it's really important that they do if their right. students not receiving their, their, you know, granted accommodations. Right. And once you've got those accommodations in place, what have you seen um, in the students' like academic success and achievement? Have you seen like what in your experience has been the effect? Oh, it, it can be absolutely you know life changing for so yeah. many students. I, I've seen I've seen students who are just you know they they hate school. They have right. you know school avoidance. Um, and it's all because they typically have a learning difference that's not being met. Right. Um, and so when those accommodations are put in place, it just allows a student to do their very best work. Right. The, the stress of the school day will lighten. Students will enjoy what they're learning more. Um, oftentimes it, it will be a true 180 in how students show up in school. Wow. And, and in that, you know, I, I want parents to take away from that, that they should have these conversations early and they should go for it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've worked with students who have had accommodations for, for nearly a decade at this point. Um, and I, I've never had a family regret going through the accommodations process and either, you know, a getting those accommodations that their student needs or B, not getting the accommodations, um, but learning so much more about who their student is academically and how they can support them at home and how they can better support them at school. Um, But I I have never heard any parent regret doing the process, but I've heard so many parents, you know, especially by the point they get to me these days, you know, working in testing accommodations, they get to me in 10th grade. um, And I hear, you know, I always ask, you know, does your student have accommodations? And they say they don't, but, you know, I should, you know, they probably should. They've had, you know, this diagnosis and, you know, they've needed this support for a decade, but I just never got around to it. And so I always hear regret about not starting the process sooner. And so, you know, if you're a a parent out there and you suspect that your child might have a learning difference or does have a learning difference, but maybe doesn't have accommodations in place, reach out to your school, have the, have the meeting sooner rather than later. um, And let's make sure that, that we're supporting as many students as we can earlier on. Yeah. And that is so like wonderful to hear that you have never heard anyone have regrets about getting their kid accommodations. Like that speaks volumes, you know, you've, you've only ever heard great things. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, for students, you know, I, I hear, you know, no regrets from families. And then you just, when you see the students finally being met with where they're at and allowing them to achieve their very best, I mean, it, it just is a whole world of difference for so many students. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. Well, I think that was my last question for you, but I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to share before we signed off. 
I don't think so. But but Tristan, this has been really wonderful. I really appreciate you taking the time to to talk with me. And I hope that this has been helpful for a lot of families out there. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. I, I know it's going to be super helpful for folks. Um, so thanks again for being here, Jonathan. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much to the audience for listening. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a little rating and review. It helps other folks find the podcast and we'll chat with you next time.